Well, I'm obviously not Pastor Paul. I love to say that when I, when I stand up and <laughs> preach. I've uh, been telling everybody I'm, I'm very nervous. I've been preaching for, golly, since I was in, it's been probably 13 years now, 12 years now. And I don't know why I'm nervous today, but I think it's because uh, it's, it's my first time as the associate pastor with the title. Um, but, I've been, <laughs> but I've been very anxious. <laughs> I've been very anxious to be able to stand and, and, uh, and preach on a Sunday morning. Um, two things the Lord has impressed upon me to learn about and preach and teach about uh, the last several months. Unity and love. Uh, let me stop right there. Let's pray again. God, we just thank you. I thank you that you're a healer, God. I thank you that our friend Nick is going to be with us uh, for a long time yet to come. Uh, F- Father, you're wonderful. Uh, your son Jesus is equally as wonderful. Um, and so uh, we just say thank you today. Lord, I ask that you would decrease me, uh, that you would increase, speak a relevant word through me today, God, that would heal all of our souls and uh, give us clear direction than when we came into this house today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, we ask that you continue to pray for our pastor and his family. They're vacationing, resting, and relaxing. Uh, how many know church people can be stressful sometimes? Yes, yes, we can. Um, so we'll just be praying for them that they have a good time while they're gone. Uh, but as I was saying, uh, I've been on this journey the last several months, uh, and those that close to me know this because I've been talking about it, uh, just seeking the Lord on love. Uh, and I also have a passion about unity as well. The last time that I preached on a Sunday morning uh, was back in February, and uh, it was a part of Black History Month. Uh, I talked about the importance of unity, in particular the necessity of unity across racial lines and ethnic lines. I discussed what an impact the church could have if we were unified across those lines. Keeping in mind that Sunday, uh, if you really pay attention to it, the most Racially segregated day of the week. Uh, I've seen it firsthand because being African-American, that's where I, I grew up in the black church, and, and so I, I know that we separate on that day. Um, but that's not what I'm here to talk about this morning, is the racial piece. Um, I'm going to talk about unity as it relates to us as individuals in the body of Christ. Sometime uh, revelation of things that we need to know to be successful in our lives uh, are, are really right there in front of us. A lot of times, the Lord has given us clear instruction on what we need to do. We would just open up our eyes and see what he's trying to tell us. It's right there. So as I, as I was seeking the Lord on what I was going to talk about today, I uh, made sure that I was walking with the Holy Spirit. So it was funny. Last week, we were outside with the children and uh, the insects, they're just everywhere. And I guess they're excited that it's warm, just kind of like we are, because they're just all over the place at our house. And so I've been seeing uh, these ants scurrying about. And uh, Dana caught my attention, my wife, and she told me to look down. It was on the driveway, and this is a picture. Uh, and you can't see it well, so I'll tell you what it is. There's a picture there of what we saw. It's three ants. You can't see one of them, but it's three big old ants, and they're carrying this big old, this big old worm. And when I saw it, I knew exactly what I needed to talk about. 
Because, again, the Lord won't let me get away from this unity thing and, and, and this love thing. Um, so uh, today's message really is about unity, uh, unity being a team game. Unity is a team game. I'm a sports guy. Me and Steven spend about half of our week talking about sports, I think. Uh, I love sports. It's my time of year, the NBA Finals. Basketball is my favorite sport, so I'm, this is great for me. So I'm really amped up about team stuff. Um, but when we think about unity, um, there are several words that come to mind. Let's see if I can use this technology here. I think I just turned it off, y'all. There we go. Unity, it's a team game. Thank you, I need it. I need it to help. You know, it's funny, uh, all the teaching that I do on campus and in and, and other places, I always use PowerPoints. I've never done it when I preach. So, th- so this is my first time. Y'all bear with me. Um, unity, a team game. But there's several words when you say unity that are synom- synonymous with the word unity. Several words can, are kind of a part of that same word unity. Uh, unit, union, unite, unison. They're all kind of uh, out of the same root, uni. Uh, they all signify oneness. So basically, when you see unity, you can really see one. It's what that word really means. Uh, you'll probably hear me use some of those words throughout the message today. Uh, but now when we talk about unity and uniting others for one purpose, there are two things that really the Lord wants me to impress upon you today. Um, two things that come out of unity. One is power. One is protection. Unity is like music. I don't have any musicians in here. Tammy, did Tammy go out? John, can you come up here real quick? Grab your guitar for me. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> Unity is like music. You can just play one little note, and it can sound okay. Do you agree? Just play one. Just strum one. Just one note for us, John. Yeah. It's one note. Good job, John. But when you play a chord and it's the right notes, strum a chord for me. He added a little bit for me too. Doesn't that sound so much better? Sounds so much better as a chord than just the one note. Thank you. I'm going to call you back in just a minute. But that's how unity sounds to the Lord. It's beautiful. It's like making music. Um, I started to get a picture of one of our very dear friends this summer. Um, that's the little cicada. But I, I forgot to do it. And Miss Sarah, I remember you talking about last Sunday in Sunday school, about how they're just awful at y'all's house. Uh, but the cicadas, I was listening to them here at the office, because we've got trees up right up there by the church office, by the church house. Um, if you ever pay attention to them, it's like they're singing in sync. If you really stop and listen, if you're not swatting them, it, if, if you listen to them, it's, like, it's almost like they, they, 
they make their noise in a cycle. And I've never noticed it before because uh, normally uh, when the cicadas come, I remember when I was a little boy, uh, two times ago, uh, a time before last when they came, I was young, and my daddy would, he would make me get out and cut the grass. He had no love. I was frightened of the cicadas. So I would, you know, I was not paying attention to how they sounded. I was just, you know, concerned about knocking them off as if they really bit you, but, they, you know. Anyway, but now that I'm older, uh, I paid attention to the sound of the cicada. And it's like they, they sing, they, they make their noise in waves. And it's amazing that a small insect like that, how they can join up as a team and annoy us the way that they do. <laughs> Remember, there's, there's power. There's power in unity. Uh, that noise is almost piercing to your ears. If you, if you get close enough to a location where it's a bunch of them, it's, it almost hurts your ears. There's power in unity. When we worship in one accord, uh, kind of like it's been going on in here for the last three or four Sundays. When we worship in true unity, when we come in here and our minds are not so focused on our own individual situation, but it's about lifting truly the name of the Lord. And it's not about whether or not we like the song, how the music sounds, or who's singing it. That's the Sunday. Those are the Sundays when the power of God really comes. You can tell the difference when we come in here and the majority of us are ready to worship you can feel the presence of the Lord literally come into place. Like right there at that last song, I was starting to feel the presence of the Lord. Now, sometimes we come in here, and I, the majority of us are not where we need to be, and we just kind of get through the list. But those Sundays when we're in unity, the power comes because there's power in unity. <clears throat> I believe there's really unlimited power in unity. If you really think about it, and I don't think we have any small ones in here, so I can, I can say what I need to say. If you think about it, we can't even exist without some level of unity. Because it takes some level of unity just for us to create life. Isn't that correct? To procreate, we have to come together. Wouldn't we all agree with that? There's not a one of us that would be in here if there was not unity involved at some point. It doesn't matter if your parents were divorced or whatnot. They had to come together at some point. That's unity. Power is in unity. Now, real quick. Oh, my gosh, that's too small. Blake, will you pull that off and, and pull up uh, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 8? Y'all just bear with me if you, if you got a Bible. Uh, grab it and just follow along with me. See, that's right there why I don't preach with technology. That's the, the reason right there. But Proverbs 6, we're going to read a few verses right there. Uh, and it simply says this, and a lot of y'all know this. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise, which, having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food, in the harvest. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. It says this, Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, which is now, gathering food for the winter. 
Solomon in this proverb says, think about the ant and look at its actions in terms of work ethic. It knows how and when to provide for itself. And it's only a tiny little insect. They get their meat in the summertime. It's like I saw those three ants working in unison, in unity. It's an amazing sight. As I said, it was, the picture was taken last week, right when it was starting to get really warm outside, which fits with what Solomon said in that proverb. They gather their food in the summertime. I've actually been seeing a lot of ants in our driveway scurrying around, busy like ants normally are. This particular scene was very interesting because normally, uh, you know, a lot of us have seen it. You see one ant, and it may be carrying something two or three times its size. Um, but this may have been the first time in my life that I'd seen them carrying one thing together. And, yeah, they were struggling a little bit, but they finally got where, they're going, where they were going. If it had just been one little bitty ant by itself, never would have got there. If it had been two ants, it would have taken them a little bit longer. But the three ants got there in a quicker, shorter amount of time. Ants working together. And sometimes I wonder why it's so hard for us to be in unity. And we got brains to think with. In the book of Acts, Stephen, that's what we talked about. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47. Now, outside of this passage in Acts, we see the phrase one accord used uh, maybe like 12 times in the book of Acts. You see Luke, you say one accord, and, you know, talking about the disciples and what they were doing. But this one particular passage I wanted to present to you today it says this, and they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. One accord in this passage of Scripture means with one mind with one passion. And the Greek word that it comes from means, it's really a compound of two words, which mean to rush along and in unison. So in a sense, we can say that these Christians, the early Christians, they weren't wasting any time in terms um, <clears throat> of expanding the kingdom. They were doing it almost in a hurry, and they were doing it together. I don't want to say in a, in a hurry. They were doing it with urgency, and they were doing it together. Now, <clears throat> wouldn't you agree that the early Christians who were human just like us, they probably weren't agreeing on every little thing? It's hard to get any group of people together, and they agree on everything. But I will say this. I guarantee you they were agreed on that one purpose. And this is what you and I were discussing uh, last couple of weeks. When you look at that one accord piece, it's not so much that they agree on everything. They agree on the main purpose. They have their own individual thoughts, their own individual giftings, and their own in the specific callings that the Lord may have called them to do. But they agreed on the one purpose, to share the gospel with the unsaved. And because they agreed in unity, 
we saw the church add daily. And you remember, if you read at the first part of chapter 2 when Peter preached uh, and, and, he, and he gave the keys, thousands were saved. They were on the same page. That's why the Lord moved. Just like I talked about with worship, when we worship in unity, how he comes. When we're in unity, the Lord moves in power. Now, how many times have we gone to a service and seen masses of people saved? Five, ten at a time. We don't see that a lot. Um, you know, I, some of that may be due to us not being on the same page. I don't know. But I do know power comes in unity. Um, now, I'll show you another picture here. If I can pull that up. In addition to sports, I like animals. I like the big cats. So I told you earlier that uh, two things I want to present to you, power and protection. Uh, not only is there power in being unified as a part of God's team, there's protection that comes with it as well. Another familiar passage to, to a lot of us, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. You can, stay, you can stay there on that picture. I'll just read it. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. And there's something in uh, the song, the first song we sang, Counting on God, um, says, I'm in a fight, not physical. I'm in a war, not of this world. Um, let's, let's, don't, let's don't get it twisted. We walk around every day and we do our thing. We go to our job. Uh, those of us that are retired, a lot of you still working, doing things in the community. Kids go to school. They play sports. But there's a battle going on, and there are lives in the balance. This is one of the favorite scriptures that I have in, in, the, in the Bible that gives me, uh, when I forget that, it gives me perspective on what's really going on. Devil's trying to take us out. Look at John chapter 10. It says that he's trying to steal, kill uh, and destroy us. Uh, but here, back to the protection piece. Uh, you can see that lion there. Uh, in Africa, there's a continuous battle raging between the lion and the Cape buffalo. Uh, it'll probably be going on until uh, the Lord comes back. But if you look at that picture closely, you see that the buffalo have formed a defensive front against the lion. And there are probably other uh, lionesses around that you couldn't see in that picture. But, but the main thing is, there's a defensive front right there. Now, if you really don't look hard at it, all you see is just a brown mass with a few horns in there. You don't stare at it. You just see a brown mass, don't you? You can't really hardly distinguish anything. Now, unity, again, as I said, is a team game. It's obvious that these buffalo are on the same team. They're working together as a unit. As with most, most uh, big animals that the lion hunts, and the goal is to separate one animal. Typically, it's a weaker or older one, but they want to separate it from the herd so their job will be a little bit easier. This is one of Satan's major tools as well. That's why it's so important for us to stay connected, unified, and plan in, on the same team as all the rest of the believers. Because once Satan gets us separated, he gets us depressed, 
He gets us prideful. He gets us offended. Then he gets us separated. And it's easy to pick us off. Because that offense leads to hate. The next thing you know in the old church, we say backslidden. You're not living for the Lord anymore. So just like the lion wants to separate one of those buffalo from the herd, Satan wants to do the same thing with us. That's why it's so important for us to stay together and work together as the body of Christ. Now I'm going to go to another passage, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Once, once we, uh, we're about to start our foundations class in Sunday school, uh, just here in a few minutes. Uh, after we finish that in several weeks, we're going to go right into our spiritual giftings class. Um, and these passages fit into that class that uh, we'll be teaching in several weeks. But Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 uh, says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Then Romans 12, 3 through 5 says this. Hey, Blake, better yet, will you go back to that for me? Go back to that chapter 4, Ephesians 4. Um, Skip on down to verse 14 for me. I'm going to keep reading. It says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. From whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supply, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. One more verse, I think. This, is, this I say, therefore, in testifying the Lord, that ye henceforth walk, not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. A couple of things that come out of this passage that relate to us being in unity and on the same team. Uh, number one, God has called us all to an individual purpose. Uh, it's obvious there in that, in that passage. All of us have something to do for the kingdom. Um, nobody's to sit on the sideline. You're all a part of the team. Um, But in that, we need to be mindful that we're humble in our giftings. Um, We don't want to be too prideful in our giftings. Um, And then obviously, we don't want to get discouraged as if we don't have a gift. Every one of us has a gift. And we all are part of the body of Christ. Nobody's on the sideline. Um, Romans 12, 3 through 5 says this, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, But to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. It's not a person born that doesn't have a purpose. Every one of us that's born has a calling. We shouldn't be so naive or selfish to really be always caught up in our own situations, our own desires, our own problems. Lives that we lead, 
have never been just about us. What we do or don't do has an impact on those around us, including friends, family, co-workers, and acquaintances. God created all of us for a purpose. He created you to be in his family and to be on his team. Whether you're a little baby or 60, 70 years old, if you're alive today, you have a purpose. And it's not just about you. God's called you to be a part of his team. And you're not a one-man show either. Rick Warren, the author of Purpose Driven Life, says something to this effect uh, in that book. So you shouldn't be trying to get God into what you're doing. You should be asking God what he's doing and how you fit into it. Our individual talents and abilities are unique to us, yes, but they are part of a bigger picture as well. In your family, both immediate and distant, are you on the team? Are you the one that's about yourself or are you the one that's trying to make the family a real functioning unit? Do you promote God's unity in your family or promote yourself and your needs? In a workplace, you have a job. Are you simply doing your thing every day, coming and going? Or are you making the workplace better? you making it more efficient. Are you trying to make it more productive? It doesn't matter what your job is. You can be a cashier at McDonald's. You can be a bank president. Is your goal to make that place more productive? Are you on the team? Young people, well, we got some teenagers and college students. We got some athletes in here, too. I'm not going to single them out, but they're right there if you want to know where they are. <laughs> are you really a part of the team, or, or do you just wear the jersey and do your thing? You're only concerned about how much playing time you get and how well you did. What about in the, in the church, here in our church? Are you on the team or are you sitting on the sideline? Do you serve in some way, and if so, is it in the right place? If you're not serving, why not? I don't want to go too far because you know this is where I am. You know, this is the thing of the 2080 thing. I've seen it in church ever since I was little. You know, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. So I'm challenging us today. And that's just one piece of it. Get in the game. Be a part of the unity that God desires for his children. Is our church just up here on the hill doing our own thing, trying to impact the world? Or are we a part of the bigger Cookville community? Are we linking up with what's going on at Trinity, First Assembly, First Baptist? Are we on the team as Church on the Hill? Various places in our lives can only be successful if we work as a part of the team. You can't have a good team without being united, without forming a unit. Any system or team that you see that's functioning well you have a hard time seeing individual parts, just like with those buffalo. I'll give you one last example here, how a system should look like. And I remember, maybe been, uh, uh, been you, Sarah, that we, we talked about in prayer one morning, how uh, it, it's like our church, is, it seems like it's starting to function as a unit. People are starting to find where they're supposed to plug in, and it's almost like a machine. If you think about a car, when your car is running like it's supposed to run, your car is running. That's it. Car's running. But when you have a problem with it, you take it to the shop, 
you find out something that's wrong with it. When you find out what's wrong with it, all the attention goes to what? That one thing, doesn't it? Because that one thing is not doing its job anymore. It's not functioning as a part of the unit. When my car is doing what it needs to do, I just think about my car. But if I got a flat tire, I got a flat tire. It's all about me getting that tire fixed. If I blow an engine, I'm concerned about the engine because the engine's not doing its part. But when that system is working like it needs to work, I have a hard time picking out anything. You ever open up an engine when it's running? It's hard to really see what's going on because everything's moving so fast as a unit, as a working unit. That's what the Lord desires of us. He desires us to work as a part of the team. Here's the last point. We've got to make sure that we seek God in our everyday living. We've got to seek where he wants us and what he wants us to do. It's incumbent upon every one of us to humble ourselves and seek his will to see how we fit. Acts 17, 28 says this, For in him we live and move, have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are his offspring. That's where we find how we fit into God's picture. Here at church, at home, at our job, on our ball teams. So I challenge us today. Be encouraged because we're on the team. We're part of the Lord's plan. We're part of what he's doing. And let's make sure we seek God on how he's moving in those places. Make sure that we don't get singled out. We do our own thing. Because if we're not where we need to be, the system can't function like it needs to. And ultimately, we want souls to be saved. That's what it's all about. So I just encourage us today, be focused on the Lord. Find your place. Get in there. And as Pastor Paul says all the time, and do something. No sitting on the sidelines. 